The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Hey guys, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Your host, Mark Slareth, along with my co-host, Mike Evans. Scott the Huff, our producer on the board. Got to thank our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Coor Water. Is that funny, Scott? You're giggling in the background. <laughs> Uh, hey, man, Cool Water. That's what I was just going <laughs> to no, say. Oh, is that right, guys? <laughs> oh. All right, well, here I go then. Ultra purified and balanced with electrolytes to match your body's natural pH level of 7.4. That's why I look like... Look like what? Uh, that's why I look so good. You guys look like turds over there, <laughs> right? You're not drinking enough Cool Water. With award-winning, crisp, clean taste... And a wide mouth bottle. The suck hole is huge. You can get all that water down your gullet really fast. Quick hydration. You can find Core Water at your neighborhood 7-Eleven. It's the one with a giant blue cap. That's Core pH Balanced Water. Learn more at HydrateWithCore.com. All right, Mike. Funny guy. Yeah. yeah. That was actually one of your best ones. I know. We called you out and you responded like the true pro you are. I am a pro. <laughs> You know, Hugh Jackson oh, was a was professional he? He football used, coach. He used to be a pro. Yeah, pro. Can you believe that? So how about this for a stat? Of all the coaches in the Super Bowl era uh-huh. who coached 40 games okay. with one team, mm-hmm. he has the worst record of all of them, 336-1. Oh, and, and then the guy next in line is, if you remember John McKay back in Tampa Bay when they were an expansion roster, our expansion team, right? Seven and 33. Seven and 33. I'll never forget. I mean, I, I remember the soundbite like it was yesterday when after a game where I think they put up no points offensively, uh, the reporter asked, "Are you in? Uh, tell me about your uh, tell me about your team's execution, your offensive execution." And he goes, "Yeah, I'm in favor of it, something like that." You know, he's like, oh, "We're so bad." But John McKay was seven wins, three wins for Hugh. He had that one tie though. And that really, I mean, that really uh, alters that record a little bit. Really. It actually makes it even look worse. You know, it, there's that, that extra. It, you're drawn to it because it's three thirty six and one. Brutal. God, uh, Cleveland. De- 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 and I was actually, like, and actually, by the way, really quick, I actually, I felt that they were ready to turn the corner. C- yeah. Here's the crazy thing, right? You know, you fire guys, and you say, "Hey, there's some controversy between Hugh, offensive coordinator, um, Todd Haley, who they fired as well." Like, and Todd's a fiery guy. Todd's a guy. I remember when he was coaching at Pittsburgh, and he and Roethlisberger didn't get along, you know, and they're fighting on the sideline. So the two of them clash heads, right? They're fighting. They're they don't get along, right? And you're worried as an organization about, hey, the mentoring of your young quarterback with a head coach and a offensive coordinator that don't see eye to eye, and they're constantly clashing. So you know what? We need stability, right? We need stability. So let's fire those two guys. Nothing says stability like Greg Williams, defensive coordinator <laughs> who was in charge of Bounty Gate, right? By the way, Bounty Gate is such bullshit. Like, 
like I I remember I remember like it was yesterday being a young player in the league in Washington and Joe Gibbs is the most regal guy you you could ever imagine right I a mean saint the, he is he's one of the greatest people one of the greatest humans on the planet dude Mondays after a game when I played in Washington was a, like a I mean it was like an episode of Oprah. I mean, you get a TV, you get a TV, you get a TV. That's a knockout. That's a knockout. That's a knockout. I mean, we were getting shit all over the place. I still have TVs. Your TVs were being handed out. Oh yeah, TVs, radio, boom boxes. You, I mean, you name hundreds, cash. Oh yeah. I mean, we'd be in the locker room like, hey, if it, it, you get a big hit on kickoff, I got a hundred. You know, you start putting a pot together. C notes flying around. First guy to get a tackle inside the 20. Bam. Money. Yeah, cash, TVs, you name it. Every, like, so Sean Payton and I are good buddies. Here's the story about Sean Payton. Like, I'm the only guy on TV that came out and, and called Bounty Gate what it was. Total bullshit. Like, come on, guys. Like, Greg Williams isn't trying. When he says, I'm trying to knock a dude out or I'm trying to, like, you don't think, like, I said all day, hey, well, I'm trying, I'm going to try to kill this dude, right? Like, do you think I'm like I'm like literally going to murder the guy? Come on, it's vernacular, it's football vernacular, and people that coached in this league and, and people that played in this league, acting like they're appalled by the language. I can't believe it. We used to say, hey, "Land, let's go." You know, we cut a lot when I was here in Denver. We used to call it, "Hey, we're going to go hunting cart lie." I think cart lie is plural for cartilage. Cart lie. Our coach, cartilage, go get on that guy's cartilage. If you just go one knee, it's cartilage. You go two knee, it's cartilage. We used, if you missed a cut in my day, we used to say, go for a two-acre. Two-acre? Yeah, two-acre. So if you miss the guy when you're trying to cut, kick your foot up in the air and try to catch him in the nuts. That's a two-acre. <laughs> right? So I mean, and we wonder why people hated the Denver Broncos offensive line. But here, but here's the deal. Here's the deal: is everybody had bounties going on. So Sean Payton calls me up after he gets suspended, and he said, "Listen, you know the network I used to work for, ESPN. He goes, there ain't one some bitch that works over there. It's welcome here. They were doing stand-ups back in the day after that whole thing went down, and." The Saints, the Saints facility is up against like a, it's it's like a, I don't don't call it a highway, but it's two lanes kind of each way, you know, two lanes with a median in the middle with the grass and everything, and they were doing the stand-ups like Saints camp. I'm at Saints camp and blah blah. blah. You know, usually you're in the facility, like you got the camera, it's right there. They were across in the median between the two between the two streets like this is so and so reporting for ESPN you're like Ed Warder support reporting for ESPN to be between cars going by and then the Saints were like up yours we're not letting any of you people so Sean goes there ain't one of those people over there that's welcome here but he goes you need anything you're always welcome here because you're the only guy that told the truth about Bounty Gate I mean we're come on and it wasn't like you're trying to actually they, like I've I know very few guys that were ever malicious in intent. There's a few guys, you know. There's a few crazies out there that are malicious. You ever the subject of a bounty? Not you going out to get somebody. Somebody who had a bounty on you. Every interception that was ever thrown that I was a part of, somebody tried to take me out. 
Absolutely. I was holding every single play. Uh, guys are pissed off. You know, guys don't like to be cut on defense. Man, I got snot bubbled. There's two that I remember vividly. Good that you still remember them. Yeah, exactly. One was in Denver playing the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and we threw a pick, and I spun my head around to go chase the pick, and Leslie O'Neal hit me in the, I mean, helmet, full crown of the helmet right in the chest. And your head snaps, you know, your head, whoa. And, um, and you know, the first thing that hits is the back, of, like your back of your helmet, whoa, on the ground, you know. It's just like, whoa. And, and it's funny because when you don't see it coming, it's like a car wreck, you know. You don't see it coming. You can't tense up. So it, it hurts, but it doesn't hurt like when you're tensed up and you see it. The other guy that got me, it's funny, too, because – I think it was a Monday. I want to say it was either a Monday night or a Sunday night game when I was playing for the Skins, and we were up in Buffalo, and Monday night was the first return of Buffalo Bills Monday night football since, uh, I think, 94. And that was about the time. And I don't know if it was a Sunday night or a Monday night game I was up there for, but it was with the Skins. And we threw a pick, and Bruce Smith got me. And he just absolutely leveled my ass. It's freezing cold. It's like December, you know. And, I mean, he just crushed me. And it was so cold when he hit me, my head snapped forward and snot shot out of both nostrils. <laughs> like, just a snot rocket out of both nostrils. And I, and so, bam, then I hit my back on the ground, you know, and I'm laying on the ground, and I get myself up, and I thought both nostrils were bleeding. I was like, oh, shoot, man, I got a bloody nose, you know, because, I mean, it was just, it came out so hard. And it was just all snot. I just had snot caked all over in my in my goatee, you know, on my face mask. And, and I, you know, he's laughing. And I'm like, all right, that's a good one. You got me. But l- now listen, in my day, like if we ran a screen and I was the peel guy, meaning so when you run a screen, the front two guys, guard and center, are, are getting downfield trying to block linebackers or whatever. The peel guy, the backside guard, is in charge of peeling around, and if the defensive end comes off and, and has a chance to make a tackle, you know, on the running back, you're peeling back and you blindside that dude, and you're trying to break his freaking jaw. And the other thing is, you know, it's going to help from a pass rushing standpoint if you get him good and he's not going to be coherent to to rush the passer. So we used to peel around and we would take, I mean, just absolutely take shots on guys. But it was one of those, it was like a respect thing. Like, I expected when we threw a pick, like to somebody, like I would rather just, when we threw a pick, just grab onto a defensive lineman and act like I'm being blocked, like <laughs> rather than chase the damn thing. Let's dance. Yes, yeah, because I know somebody's going to try to knock me out. So um, anyhow, uh, but the whole Bounty Gate thing. So going back to Cleveland, I mean, Greg Williams, the architect of of that, is going to bring the stability to yeah. your organization. Well, now now it now it makes su- such perfect sense why there's been so much talk about dysfunction. I mean, you got Todd Haley and Greg Williams, right? Underneath, of course, you're going to have dysfunction. So, is it just too obvious? Is it just too easy that Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma, joins up again with Baker Mayfield? You do this. Yeah. I mean, this is the guy you drafted number one. You want to do everything you can to try to make him comfortable, make it work. So do well, you go get his college coach? Certainly you're going to try. I, I just, again, I look at, there's a couple of different things. Like you want, 
Think about all the coaches that are having success, Mike. Think about Andy Reid, who's taken you know a West Coast offense and and amalgamated that together with this collegiate style of offense, or uh, Matt Nagy in in Chicago, who's having success right now, even though they're a 500 football team or so. They're having great success right now. Maybe they're one game over 500, but it doesn't matter. With Matt Nagy coaching Mitchell Trubisky in that same style of offense, or what Doug Peterson did in Philadelphia with that mixture of West Coast slash collegiate type of you know spread offense. There's a lot of these coaches that are having great success with that. You know, the other day I was looking up, I was calling a Rams game. Do you know how much you know we we talk about? Um, talk about in the NFL like uh, personnel groupings, right? So, you know, 22 personnel is two backs and two tight ends. 12 personnel is one back, two tight ends. Um, You know, uh, um, 21 personnel is two backs, one tight end. 11 personnel is what most people base out of, which is three wide receivers. It's one back, one tight end, henceforth 11 personnel. Put the back first, tight end second. So 11 personnel is one back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Most teams base out of that, you know, 60%, 58%, 57%. Do you know what the Rams, what their percentage of 11 personnel is as an organization? Go ahead. You care to venture a guess? Uh, you know, you'd think with you know, the receivers and golf mm-hmm. and everything that they, they're probably in it a lot. I'm going to say they're only in it about 30% of the time. 97% of the time. 97%? 97%. The only time that they're not in three wides is in kneel-down situations. Wow. They bring in two tights. 97% of their snaps are out of three wides. And they're running the snot out of the yeah. ball out of three wides, out of nickel sets. They're they're phenomenal. So that's what they end up doing. So to amalgamate this collegiate style with a professional style to give Baker Mayfield the best opportunity to be successful, you would think that Lincoln Riley would make perfect sense. My question would be to you, if you're a college coach at a major university, at one that has a chance to compete every year for the college national championship, why in the hell would you go to the NFL? It's the next step. These guys have egos. These guys look at what they do in college and look. Think about right, Lincoln it's, Riley. It's time to take it to the next level. Hey, you're gonna you Nick can, Saban did it. You, I know. I and know. you know what? I still believe Nick Saban will go back at some point. He'll get tired of winning Lincoln all the time Riley at Alabama. Could be the coach at Oklahoma. Yeah, you do for it the for next twenty years. Twenty years, sure he could, but making between five and ten million dollars a year. Pete Carroll could have stayed at USC forever, but you know what? He still had. He deep down, he had to go back and right that wrong. But but the difference of is what he was as a co- as the a pro difference coach. is both of those guys started the NFL. True, true. I don't think these guys can help themselves. I think they just look at it. It's the ego. It's the next so, step. It's the it, big. It's, is the, it's another the big challenge. Leagues. It's the big leagues. Yeah, and they I, do it also knowing that they could always go back. Yeah, that part is true. That Why part Kelly is true. leave Oregon? Yeah, hindsight being twenty twenty, that's probably a mistake, right? Right. Well, learn from your learn from your past. Jim Harbaugh left. He started in college, left, went to the pros, had success there. Then goes back to college, making eight million bucks or yeah. seven and a half million bucks a year to coach Michigan. I mean, uh, I I don't know why you would want to leave. I I mean, I do know why you would want to leave. I, I would just say that 
the odds are that you're much better off just staying where you are. You know, I, I when you talk about personnel and, and the way that teams use personnel, we saw another example the other day, didn't we, of, of how outside the box New England is mm. when it comes to the way that they use players. They had Cordero Patterson, long yeah. known as a special teams guy, kick returner, occasional wide receiver who runs fly routes. They used him at running back. Right, right. Yeah, they did. You know what? Let's make this What's on Tap brought to you by Bud Light and the Bud Light team cans. What's on tap? I, I, I don't know if you have the team cans, but I'm telling you what, the great folks over at Bud Light absolutely love them. The team cans are so cool. Did a video with one just the other day. Um, really cool. They got the Broncos label on them. They've got not only the can, but they've got the bottle can, you know, the aluminum bottle can. Love the Bud Light uh, team cans. are so cool. Uh, you can find them all over all over the nation. Any grocery store that you shop at has the team cans or the, any liquor store. So uh, what's on tap? Here's, here's what I love about that move. Now, it wasn't the most productive night running the ball, but here's a guy in Patterson that I think was drafted by Minnesota. They really couldn't make him a receiver. He became kind of a special teams return guy. Oakland, he played there for a while. He may have played for another team. I can't really recall. But nobody's ever been able to to find a way to kind of implement him in the regular offense, right? For whatever reason, he just doesn't understand routes or route combinations or coverages or whatever it is. I don't know. I haven't been around the guy, okay? But he has been an exceptional return guy. Then you get to New England where this is the beauty of New England. This is, this to me, this is about any walk of life. We are so enamored as people with what we can't do or what people can't do. Oh, like coaches, it's not that hard. But for coaches, it's incredibly difficult to get beyond somebody's weakness, right? They can't, like, you ever see the movie uh, Shallow How? Where the one, one girl across the, uh, the she's really kind and she's sweet and she's everything. And, and Shallow How's buddy won't date her. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh. The, the guy from Seinfeld. Yeah, uh, Jason Alexander. Yeah, Jason Alexander won't date because her middle toe is, is longer than her big toe or whatever. I mean, like he's he found something to be critical about, right? Like, oh, I don't like her feet. Like that. Yeah, she's fine and she's a real sweet lady, but boy, look at that toe. Like that's freaking me out. Like coaches will find something about you that they don't like and therefore they don't accept or they don't, they don't see the beauty in what you can do. I think New England has always been set apart because they have always looked at players and say, don't tell me what the guy can't do. Let's not focus on what we can't accomplish. Let's focus on what we can do. And they find the beauty in players, even players with warts, because they find the guy and what he can do. And here's a guy like Patterson who's never been able to be productive on the offensive side of the ball with any consistency that led their team in rushing. He gave them, I think he had 10 carries. It was only 38 yards. I get it. But he led their team from an attempt standpoint in rushing. So all of a sudden, a guy who you haven't been able to find an offensive role for goes to New England, and you find an offensive role. Isn't that what it's all about? I mean, honestly, focusing on the cans as opposed to the cans? Like, I... You can learn a lot just by the way they operate as an organization. And everybody says they want to do it, but for the most part, people can't get past uh, they can't get past the, the negatives. Well, okay, so since we're talking about what's on tap, presented by Bud Light, can't wait, can't wait. I mean, treasure this one. 
Brady against Rodgers Sunday night, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How does Green Bay handle Ty Montgomery? How do you handle that as an organization? Down by two, give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers with a little over two minutes left, win the, win the, win the freaking football game. Right. Instead, he goes against orders, runs the ball out of the end zone, ends up fumbling, they lose the football game. Yeah. And now it's open season on Ty Montgomery, but I mean, I, I, I'd like to think that if I was running a team, I'd be like, this guy can't play for me. He can't play for me. I can't send him back out there again on Sunday night. What do you think they do? What do you do? I think that's one of those situations where everybody, from an individual standpoint, you have to know who the guy is, what the guy's about. That was typical. I, you know, that to me was brain fart or I want to be a hero. And you have to understand, I think as an organization, you better have your finger on the pulse of, of guys and know exactly who they are. You know, I was standing on the side, I was hurt one game, and Shanahan was, I was standing over by Shanahan because I was with the offensive line coach, and I was coaching my backup. I was coming off a knee injury or whatever it was. And so I'm watching my backup play, you know? And so when he comes off, I can say, hey, man, did you see this or did you see that, right? So we have these conversations. So the ball was at a position where I was standing next to my old line coach, me, and Shanahan. And one of our players, I'm not going to mention names, but one of our players um, got a holding call. And Shanahan was like, he was on the sideline going, hey, it's all right. He goes, it's all right. You're going to be all right. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just let it go. It's fine. It's fine. Like, bad call. Don't worry about it. And so it was like, that's foreign to me, right? He's like, he's pumping the guy's tires. And then he turns and he looked at me and goes, I'd have ripped your ass if you would have gotten a holding call on that. He goes, but you got to know your players. Like, that guy, if I ripped his ass, he'd make three more bad mistakes along the way. You, I get your ass ripped, and you go, you just get pissed off and play better, right? So that's what he said. He goes, you just got to know your players. And then he went on to coaching, right? That was that was kind of – and I was fascinated by kind of the psychology of coaching guys. So if you're Mike uh, McCarthy, you just have to know your player. Was that brain fart? Like, oh, my God, here I go. And you completely forgot about the situation because obviously the clock is running. You don't have the – you want to save as much time for Aaron Rodgers as possible. You just saw it the week before as he cut up San Francisco in a game they shouldn't have won. So, so there's a difference between being there's a difference between brain fart and just and really trying really trying to be you know yeah. I'm really trying to make something happen here right versus just flat out I'm I'm, I'm selfish I'm selfish I'm insubordinate I'm insubordinate right and yeah. I want to be the hero and and I think I think you know your team well enough to know like which one that guy is and Ty Montgomery. Like, there's nothing about him that I've ever seen that would say selfish. Remember, this guy was a receiver that went and moved to running back because they had so many injuries and played his butt off doing that. So, you know, that that's where I would go with Ty Montgomery. I'm I'm sure it was – I'm that, to me, is brain fart. That's not a selfish player. And I know everybody wants to yeah, – because that's easy, right? It's a hot take. Selfish. Guy sucks. Don't ever play him again. Well – I'd pump my brakes on that one a little bit. All right. All right. Well, I can't wait for that one Sunday. Can't oh, wait for that one. That's that, just one. And we'll we'll have our money-making picks later in the week. I know. You know, we both went uh, two and one. We, we both went two and one. You're still behind me. 
looking up at me. Breathing my exhaust fumes. Getting my sloppy seconds. I'm right behind you, looking at them mom jeans. Bedazzled <laughs> with your big giant ass. Hey, thanks to thanks to you and everybody else that makes the Stinky Truth Podcast go. We appreciate you. We'll be back a, a little bit later in the week. Thank you to the presenting sponsor of Core Water and also to the great folks over at Bud Light. Make sure you check out the Bud Light team cans. For everybody involved here at the Stinky Truth, thank you so much. We'll be back later in the week.